Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris. And uh, today, great first premiere, by the way. I thought uh, it was really a good time. You well, and I had fun with it. The calls were fantastic. Hopefully they'll be back tonight. Yeah. I mean, anyone can fill the freak tent the first night. Really, they come back the second night to see the freak show. That's where if you know you have it. And we're joined by New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This is uh, this is a great occasion to see you both here. Thank you. Getting this off the ground. Um, yeah, great to see you, Chris. I thanks, just, John. I appreciate uh, just it. Think of, I have to say, I'm just, uh, I'm, just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're back in the saddle. Thank after you. I appreciate The last that. year and a half, two years almost. Right. And, um, um, what you went through. You're a tough man, Chris. I appreciate that. Thank uh, you, John. I do. I'm just uh, happy for you as a friend. I'm happy. Um, I'm pleased for Greater New Bedford that you're back on the airways. I mean, just the, the value you add to the you know, civic discourse in the region is so important. So Thanks, Mr. Mayor. I really appreciate that. I'm just going to gush you. about you for the next <laughs> no, half no, hour. That's but, fine. It's all right. That's fine. You deserve it. That's well, fine. Well, as, Thank you. As Chris, as Chris McCarthy emerges uh, from the pandemic uh, back and better than ever, how has the city of New Bedford uh, done so far? I think we're doing all right. It's been a long pandemic in the city and in the region. And, you know, we've talked about it before. You and I have talked about it before. Yeah. You know, we, uh, the degree of difficulty here is, was, was and remains higher than most, right? We have... Uh, uh, a population uh, that is uh, an economy that is still more industrial than most places. And the, one of the implications of that is, um, you know, people can't uh, work remotely, couldn't remote uh, work remotely, as remotely as, as other places. And, you know, if you, if I've said before, if you work on the, a factory floor on the deck of a scalloper in the North Atlantic, Zoom doesn't do you too much good, right? right. So, right. Um, you know, we had to scramble for a while to um, ensure that people were safe by putting in place a number of measures to uh, to do that in workplaces to get kids um, back in school as quickly as possible. We're of the 10 largest school districts in the state, we're the, the only one that went at least hybrid the entire first year of the pandemic because we thought it was really important to get kids in. And there were many other steps along the way that folks have heard me talk about over the last couple of years. Suffice it to say, it's been an exertion over the last two years to keep people safe. And it con we continue to be vigilant about the possibility of new variants or subvariants and the threats that they might pose. And so, you know, even though we're in a, a lull of sorts, I guess, is measured uh, largely by the, the number of hospitalizations. Number of, it's so hard to tell how many cases are out there now because right. not everybody goes to get a PCR test that shows up on the state scoreboard. But, you know, we're, we're, we remain vigilant about uh, the possibility of, of uh, more surges in the fall. And so, you know, we're doing uh, wastewater monitoring and a number of and monitoring a number of other things. That's on the public health front. Um, you know, we see this time really, I see this time and I said as much in my state of the city address as uh, a, a time to turn the page right in the pandemic. And I say that, I, I hasten to add, like, again, we're, we're not just assuming it's all gone away, but, you know, I think it's, we do assume that the worst is behind us. And, you know, there's a chance that I might be proven wrong by that, but you do have to move on with things right. um, and capitalize on um, opportunities. And that's what we're really trying to do right now. We want, uh, we want the city to be stronger at coming out of the pandemic than it went, uh, than when it went in. And it was making progress for sure when it went in. Um, but all the, during the pandemic, I tried to stress that, look, we've got to deal with the, 
immediacy of the pandemic, the exigency of the pandemic, but at the same time, we have to continue to fight and, and continue to work on all the other stuff. And so we've done that, city government, the private sector, so many others, you guys, right? And, you know, the good news is that we've put ourselves in a pretty strong position. The city is relatively stable financially. I think there are certain things that, ha certain things that have to come back to uh, add to the stability, but I think we're in good shape that way. There are some major things going on uh, in the way of long-term economic um, development. So, you know, I'll, and this is in no particular order, the, you know, the uh, inter -rail, uh, inner city rail service to Boston will start next year. I think that's, you know, that's going to be a good thing. It's, it's something I've fought for along with every other elected official here in the last 30 years. And so I think that that will be uh, helpful and won't be the, you know, the pie in the sky thing that I think a lot of people have made it out to be, but it's going to be a really good thing. I think more importantly, the arrival of the offshore wind industry will bring a ton of capital into this city. So, and that's going to happen real soon. Um, Vineyard, I had lunch with the CEO of Vineyard Wind last week, uh, Klaus Mueller, who said, you know, they're starting off in Q1 23, which means February, basically. So that's six months out. And so what people will, um, expect to see that or then are these massive wind components showing up on our waterfront with massive cranes and i think there's going to be people some people say oh wow okay uh, right. this is what they've been talking about this right. is what the mayor's been talking about for a long time so you've seen those over in europe right yeah, yeah. No, they're just massive, they're gigantic right, right? Yeah. They're, they're blades of football field long and once right. you lay eyes on the stuff you're like okay then you believe right, right. so we um, so what we're trying to do now is is just go racing ahead of every other port on the East Coast, and the and we're we're ahead. We're trying to stretch the lead because we know the industry is going to make decisions in the next few years about where to set up shop. We want everybody, to the greatest extent possible, to set up shop in New Bedford, so that we have a cluster here that serves the region, creates jobs and opportunity for people in the long run. That's what we're looking for. So you know we're pushing on port infrastructure investment, right. workforce investment, um, you know, doing the, the um, you know, rearranging a lot of stuff on the waterfront, intersections and things, um, uh, incubator work. We want small, uh, we want startups to, uh, in the marine sector to be able to form here and grow into something here. So um, there's a lot to come on that in the next year, but that's, I, if there's, if you were to ask me, what are you spending? If there's one thing you're spending, more of your time on than anything else these days. It's it's that stuff. I, it's, this is the time to like really seize opportunity uh, for the city, and because this these opportunities don't come around like the, on this scale for uh, that often, you know. Um, so that's a big thing. The school systems getting on um, on stable footing, right? That's 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 um, they're coming out of you know, a time when a lot of kids were absent from school, like right. everywhere else, we did better than most urban school districts because we were really, um, the administration and staff were really determined. Compared to, to Boston, keep... it's incredible how much oh, yeah. better you did. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. And compared to where everything was, you know, about 10 years ago, especially, yeah. right? Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. not to yeah. state the obvious, but... It's no small thing for a child to lose a couple of years of school. That's no small thing. No, I see it with my own kids, you know, and, and uh, you know, staring at screens all day long. Right. It's just not, yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. I, can't no, I agree. Way, right? I, I agree. My eyes glaze over, right? I mean, maybe some people can. But so, you know, we want to get kids back in school. And and, all, and ultimately, frankly, with, without masks on comfortably, as, as this past school year 
um, wore on, you know, more and more kids were take, we lifted the mask requirement. A lot of kids, including my own, uh, kept their masks on voluntarily, mm -hmm. right? They just felt more comfortable doing that. And eventually everybody took them off. Um, but, you know, taking that, that also helps with interaction. So of I was, it was given, I mean, just not to go off on a tangent, just to give a, a small example that, you know, um, well, my daughter's Spanish teacher in Bedford High said, you know what, you know, it's really hard for foreign language teachers to, to teach when the kids are wearing masks right. because you can't read lips. That's right. right? So yeah. that was, that was Very you know, it hadn't occurred to me, but, you know, it's a little stuff like that that do that impede sort of normal learning and, and school yeah. experience. So the long way of saying, you know, there's, there's a lot happening, a lot falling into place. And like what we're really pushing on is just to get everybody to know that there are opportunities to really um, you know, put New Bedford in a strong position for the next 20 or 30 years if we get things, if we get them right now. About where, um, you know, cause I've, I, I went to the, uh, the site of where now he was going to be and uh, there was, you know, there's pictures of what is going to be there. Yeah. Um, but uh, is there a timeline for that? The now is the National Offshore Wind Institute for for people to know. But is there a timeline for that that to be to be completed? Because I think that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the National Offshore Wind Institute is a uh, offshore wind training center that is part of Bristol Community College, and uh, it's. Uh, they have been working on the development of the curriculum for many years, and it's and, yeah. you know they haven't had to invent the the wheel entirely. They've used uh, the curricula from uh, a number of offshore wind training institutes in Europe and some onshore wind institutes in the United States. So those pieces are in place. It's really a matter of them getting all their funding, and so they have some of the funding uh, in place um, from the federal government. Some earmarks. They still have a little ways to go. I do think that they're going to be able to to put that together and then they're going to have to start training people my i'm from what i understand that they will be in a place to actually start training people beginning next year in 2023 so cool. um you should have um laura douglas from from bcc on so she can tell you exactly yeah when that sure, that's a good idea it's a good idea actually. we're trying to you know support them and and um and you know evangelizing their brand getting them out there and uh, uh so that they can start to get contracts and get connected up with offshore wind companies so who who are we in direct competition with i just noticed that uh, uh, that warwick um with the quonset point is, is trying to build up their ports to specifically to compete for for, right. uh, for wind right no we, look we are i and i i, I preach this um we're we're in we're in a competition and we need to compete we the people you know i you know maybe this is going to sound a little uh a little too blunt but i, I just think these days every there's this sort of collaboration is so cliched right there is the time to collaborate <laughs> right, there's the yeah. time to partner yeah. and then there's the time to say look I, i'm i'm gonna beat you at at your at your game and my game we're, we're gonna Absolutely. win yeah um i might actually say it in even blunter terms than that in <laughs> private conversation but right. but i'm yeah. just like that that's what we're here for we're, we're going out to kick some butt right that, that is the way we have to think about this because uh it is and people might say well is it is it, is it so zero sum right is it always like i you know more for me means less for you well, yes, uh, it, right? it is a little bit. <laughs> right? yeah, it is. Correct. Yeah. Because yeah. so, they're not so, going to set up right. multiple locations, yeah. really, right? 
Um, no, just to make everybody happy. Right. Yeah. right. Okay, yeah. No, right. You know, we have to, we, we, you know, we do direct outreach to companies to try to recruit them here. We, and, and we've, and we're succeeding by the way. So we have three major companies that have already committed here. Avant Grid, which is one of the world's largest energy companies is setting up its control room for the entire East coast of offshore wind farms that they will own. Right. That's going to happen. We have FOSS uh, Marine, which is one of the largest marine construction firms in the world, based largely on the west coast of the United States and, and Asia. They are setting up at the Eversource site. Right. Um, we have um, uh, SEMCO, one of Europe's largest um, offshore wind operations and maintenance companies that has already committed to coming here. So they're looking for space. So when you have, and then there were, we were in talks with Let's say three others, right, of similar size and stature, and we feel pretty good about the possibility of landing them also. And so, when you land these these bigger fish, the the smaller ones tend to follow. So, the smaller ones are not, you know, whether they're from Europe or other parts of the U.S., it doesn't frankly matter to us if they're setting up in New Bedford and and having the bigger presence in New Bedford, right. the better. Um, but what it does do is it opens up opportunities for them to contract out with existing small businesses here, and that can run the gamut. That can run the gamut. So, like, there's already a lot of that going on on the waterfront as it is. All the fueling companies on the waterfront, especially Sea Fuels, has been doing a lot of work with the offshore wind industry, right, fueling up their vessels. Um, you know, there's a fair amount uh, that will be um, in line for like things that, like hardware stores, caterers, the hotels, of course. Sure. Um, and, and then you think about other like fabricators of um, welded material, right? There's 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 a whole suite of things that go into one of these projects, and the projects are really big. Three point two billion dollars is what the Vineyard Wind project will cost, right? So that's far larger than any of the casinos in Massachusetts or Gillette Stadium. That's that's how big it is, and so we're. Again, the goal here is for to capture as much activity as possible. But there are other people out there lurking around, oh, yeah. right, to try to get yeah, this. So, yeah, you're so, in a competition. Yeah, we're in a competition, and there are some things that, you know, I think we can compete for most things, uh, most of the facets of the offshore wind industry here, but not all, right? So, you know, you're not going to see a, a huge amount of, major component manufacturing here okay we've kind of resigned ourselves to like so when i say major component, like the big blades the big yeah. nacelles that rest on the on the towers the big foundations the reason for that is in the places where those things are manufactured they're right by the water and they're enormous tracts of land and we visited them in europe you're talking like i'll give you an example we went with a group from here um to Hull, England, to see, this is like five years ago now, to see a brand new Siemens factory where they make the blades, right? It's on 200 acres of land. Wow, right wow. On That's the enormous. river, right, in Hull, England, right? The former leading whaling port in, in Europe in its day, right? Right. So uh, they've got that land. We don't have that here, but... No. And, and there are very few spots on the East Coast that have that. Somerset, okay. that one side in Somerset, Baltimore is another one, New Jersey is another one that has. But but by and large, you don't. So we're not going to be doing it. What we will do, uh, we will do deployment through the Marine Commerce Terminal, which we're looking to expand, um, the new FOSS Terminal at the Eversource site. Um, that will, when I say deploy, that's the assembly of the, the, the wind farm, the project and, and then it goes out to sea from there and then we'll do operations and maintenance. The reason we can do that is we're the closest port 
to the center mass of the wind farms on the East Coast, the Massachusetts wind energy areas, um, and that proximity matters a lot to the industry. Um, we've got the infrastructure, we've got the seafaring workforce, and um, and that's that's really what what we we think we can build out. What we have to do on top of that, it seems to me, is ensure that as these companies set up here, we're not just a dock, right? right. We, are, we want the right. back offices here. We want their regional headquarters here. We also want to be a place where research and innovation and entrepreneurship can all intersect, right? We've got all these companies here, fishing especially, but and then soon offshore wind. We want to be a place where you can have in a, have places where small entrepreneurs can uh, innovate and build new companies uh, and test out their stuff in the water and you know obtain data from offshore wind companies and fishermen. So that's a big piece of what we're looking for. We're working with the Mass CEC on on a few ideas. Uh, on the waterfront to that end about an innovation center and that more to come that's will play out over the course of the next year but that's that's going to be a, a big priority but what we're trying to do is we want to have the industrial foundation in the city right the port the active working port that, right. that creates you know, a basis for activity here but we all want to work our way up the proverbial value chain right to the knowledge base stuff as well so that's where you know so it's not an exaggeration to say you know, we could sort of return to the former glory of uh, around the, you know, the height of the whaling industry where New Bedford is, you know, a staging area for not maybe, if not globally, then at least nationally for this entirely new industry. Yeah, I mean, I hate to, it's just that's such another day, right? It's hard to make those <laughs> kinds of comparisons and people, I, yeah. you know, I, but what we're trying to do is, you know, look, if you want a thriving city, you know, you have to you have to create the conditions for a great quality of life, right? You know, it's safe. The schools are good. You know, there's you know lovely public spaces, uh, but it's also a place where there's opportunity. And if there's no economic opportunity, if there's no and if and if you're not economically competitive, you can't create opportunity. Right. And the way you become economically competitive is you play your best cards, right? Every place is delta delta hand. New Bedford's got cards to play. Our strongest cards are in the or in the port. That's, yeah. that's the way, that's the way it is here. And so that's what we're trying to do. And by, by if we leverage those advantages well and ensure that investment returns here, that opportunities that um, are, you know, returned here, that our folks are working at offshore wind um, and offshore wind um, facilities on, on the waterfront or nearby, then, then it'll be a win in the long run. We'll be able to sustain what, what we're trying to do. We're speaking with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. Um, John, I, I have a, um, a question for you. Obviously, in this last budget, we've seen where Governor Baker's is all in on, on, on offshore wind. You've clearly made the case for New Bedford. How do you feel about the next governor? Because we're going to have a next governor. Baker's not going to be there. Do you feel comfortable with the leading candidates or is going to support New Bedford's role in, in, in wind? Do you think you have a case for them? Well, I've talked to them, okay. um, almost all of them, um, about it in some depth, kind of like what we're doing right here. Yeah. And, you know, I've told them, I, I, I made it clear to all of them, I said, it's not, to my mind, we're not, it's unrealistic for us, as I was just mentioning, to like capture all of it, because right. all of it's a lot, and there's only so much room sure. for it here. But... You know, we want to be the best, and mm -hmm. and that's 
you know, there is a temptation at the state level to sort of spread goodies around sure. in, in public investment, right? And it gets really political. And what I try to emphasize is that, look, state fund, public funds um, uh, should, should be put in the places that yield the highest return, especially in those places that have a tough time attracting investment, right? We have not prospered like Greater Boston, for right. instance, right? And right. so, you know, when the state thinks about where to invest, for one thing, on one side of the question, we have to have our act together. We have to have plans in place. We have to have our arguments marshaled. We have to be willing to put our own skin in the game, right? Our own money in the game. Um, but at the same time, the state has to be a partner. We're not looking to the state for salvation. We don't think the state's going to solve all our problems. Right. Sometimes we have thought that way around here. Correct. That's mm -hmm. not the way we should think about it. Um, but the state is a partner. And uh, and so um, when, when the opportunity knocks, the state has to be willing to ante up here, even if it means that they're not giving exactly the same amount of money to every other part of the state. Right. right? That's... That's 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 I don't think an unreasonable expectation. You haven't uh, actually um, weighed in on any of the statewide races. Do you plan right. on doing that? I might. You might. <laughs> I've got might. some time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's see. Let's start at the um, top. No, but that was noted by uh, Ted Nisi. Noted. Noted. Yeah, Ted in his Saturday yeah, column, Ted which everyone office, reads. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Ted thought yeah, needed to wake up or something. Things are a little sleepy. No, you know, they've just about all of them have come through to talk to me, and including some Republicans. And um, you know, I, I believe me, I, my doors open to everybody. I don't you know, look if you're if, if you're serious about. Uh, if you're a statewide candidate who's serious about New Bedford, I don't care what party you belong to. You, you, you can come and tell me. It's not to say I'm going to support you regardless of party, but uh, but but you know that's. But I want people to know you know what we're about here. Um, I haven't endorsed yet. I might. Um, you know, I, I don't think. I mean, that it's there is a. Honestly, there is a. Um, some, so there are a number of factors that go into it. I, mm -hmm. I'm not one to say, well, you know, the voters are looking to me for guidance on on this. I don't think that's that's really the, my place. Right. Mm -hmm. But it is, you know, so it is my place to lead, though. Right. That's just the nature of the job. Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes when you look at the it, like competing candidates, candidates of equal ability, and you don't know which one's going to win, uh, sometimes the um, the upside in picking the right candidate is a lot smaller than the downside yeah, and the wrong one. And that's absolutely so. And I've, I've yeah. kind of learned that over the years. And so that's, that weighs into you know, like, there's not a lot of, yeah, there's, there's, there can be some hard feelings if you pick the wrong. Of wrong course. Person. Yeah. Yeah. So, so speaking of, but that's it. You know, one, one candidate, you have a strong relationship, had a strong, far strong relationship with one and another and, uh, that might weigh into it. And I know just about all of them. Um, the other thing that's, that would factor into it, the other thing that would factor into it is if you have just one person who's just clearly better qualified or better suited right. um, to, to do the job. You know, if it's not a close call, then, yeah, you should be. Now, when you think about all the races we have going on locally this year yeah. with our delegation, you are closely with the delegation, obviously, and you have opinions. Uh, you don't have to share them with us, but it'd be nice if you did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you have any uh, I think time's, any uh, preferences? Time's, time's winding down. On our, uh, <laughs> <laughs> any preferences in any of the races that are going on? Um, you know, I try to stay out of those. Okay. Um, I do think that it's, um, by and large, I'll stay uh, out of those. Um, it, it's... 
you know, we haven't had too many competitive races. Correct. Um, and so, um, you know, I think it's, and sometimes I think the voters get it, you know, a little, you know, it's, it might feel like this, this my, my job is a little bit, a lot different from theirs. Let's check. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have true. to come on the radio, not come on the radio, but I'm here. There's no, I, I have to be out there. I can't just talk about doing things. Yeah. I have to do it. Correct. Right. So, Correct. So my job is fundamental as an executive, elected executive is fundamentally different from being a legislator. For sure. Right? For sure. You know, for them, it's, it's, it's different. I, I do think that, um, and I think you guys can play a part in this, that there is, there is a role for local media to play diminished though it is, uh, here, um, in, you know, talking about what elected officials are doing, elsewhere right it's right. in boston or washington because i think it's you know for voters here for residents here sometimes it's a black box we don't know what our you know representatives are doing and it's not a criticism of any one of them right. it's just there is there's an information flow problem there that i've that, that i think has only grown worse over the years absolutely um you take a break. No, I think yeah, we gotta we gotta take a break. Uh, Mayor Mitchell, um, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I thought it was important to have you here. Our first week of yeah, this no, new I show. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. And, Congratulations um, on uh, on on your launch. Yeah, I think you're going to be great. I think you're going to do a whole lot of good to advance. You know, thoughtful dialogue. You guys do your homework. You're respectful one another. You can set a great example. I appreciate for, that for the rest of us. I Thank heard you. what you had to say to Tim about local media the other day on, when you were a couple, maybe last week, the week before. I thought you were spot yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. fact that, of course, he knew at the time that we were about to launch this show. You may have known that, but I mean, we've just added three hours more of local programming. Um, you know, it really is important to the area, but as you say, there is a black hole. and you know, We can't fill it all, but there is really, it's just not the days of the Standard Times anymore. Uh, it isn't, and that pains me a lot. Of all the things that pain me in my job, I have to say that one. Is, if that's not at the top of the list, that's right. That's right. right up there. It's right. just it's it's uh, it's changed things a lot, and so we just have to we have to find ways to compensate. You know, so if you have like news organizations like the New Bedford Light have formed, and that's right. that's really good. I think of stuff that you guys are doing here. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the Providence New Bedford stations have you know shifted a little more attention here. Yeah, some sure. some less, right? But um, I think that's that's all that's all to the good and uh, we just have to work a little bit a little bit harder at that mayor john mitchell thank you for uh, for joining us and uh, looking forward to actually you'll be on tim's tomorrow right yeah so i'll just continue on with my next tomorrow. all right uh we're gonna take a break we'll be right back hey welcome back to uh south coast tonight i am marcus he is chris and that was new bedford mayor john mitchell we appreciate him coming in like i said i think it was important to get uh mayor mitchell on for the uh inaugural week of south coast tonight um right i think it was fantastic that was a good interview i think the mayor put some things on the table that are very very important yeah That, that you know the reason I asked him about this competition factor is that there's an article, Channel 12 has an art, has, a, has a news story today about all the money that Warwick is pouring, Warwick in the state of Rhode Island is pouring into Quonset Point to compete for offshore wind. And so you realize this is not a casual thing. This is a real yeah. competition. So I want to get a sense of what the mayor sense was. And I, th- I think he... I was very impressed by his answer. Absolutely. He's not fooling around. He realizes it's not quite a zero-sum game, as he said, but it basically is. Right. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Hey, good evening. Thanks for calling. Oh, sorry. Real bad accident down on Route 18 next to Knuckleheads. Right there. It used to be Dunkin' Donuts. I think it's Honeydew. Both sides, north and south. They're routing traffic around 
up around Gomes School or down the backside of Casa Boulevard. Phil, give that, give that to us again in case people are just tuning in. Route 18, where Dunkin' Donuts used to be, which is now Honeydew, where right. Knuckleheads is on the other side of it, right behind it. I think it's down, I think it's now one lane, but it involved multiple vehicles on both north and south of Route 18. So it's traffic has stopped? Uh, I think it's down to one lane now. I think they're opening up to one lane, but there's a, multiple ambulances, like six fire engines, seven or eight police cars, so it's pretty bad. And that was like a half hour ago. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think, okay. thank you. That's good to know. Okay. Appreciate the Bye-bye. call. Thank you. I'm sure we'll get the uh, full story on that probably tomorrow in our newsroom yeah, yeah. at, uh, at WBSM.com. Stay tuned. Phil will have the story for you tomorrow. The uh, real Phil, not not Phil the caller, but real <laughs> Phil. Phil the mayor of New Phil. Bedford, morning mayor. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought uh, John Mitchell was um, was strong when he's discussing the uh, the prospects of offshore wind. I have to admit, I was an originally a, I was originally a skeptic oh, of it, yeah, and um, I am um, I'm not a look. I'm skeptical of the replacement of theory of of renewable wind to hey man, uh, of, come on. you know that you're going to somehow get rid of all <laughs> all other sources of energy yeah. immediately. But but the reality yeah. of it is is that. It's it's a it's a growing industry. It's going to do a lot. It's going to be very interesting. And it's it's good to have it here, um, for sure. As he pointed out, what he's trying to do, um, the Harvard economist that he is, is to try to build an onshore business. So it's not you know that there's all the support industry around it. That is crucial to the tax base of the future and for jobs for this area. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it it, it is. And like you said, there's there's. Um the, the fact that there are other port cities competing for it shows that it is a real tangible thing. I think, you know, like he said, I, th- I think he's explained it pretty well how well positioned New Bedford is to to carry that forward, for sure. I'll give you an example. In the uh, what Quonset Point is doing, they have their own economic development board. They've, they've got bonding power through the state of Rhode Island. Um, so they, they are in direct competition in Massachusetts, which is us. Um, they they have the ability to bond, to dump more money into the industry, to do port improvements, things like that, that um, like the state of Massachusetts has been doing for, for us here in New Bedford. Um, of course, I say us, I mean our tax dollars are doing it. So you, But you have a direct competition. I thought really, and tell me if I'm wrong, Marcus, you're in the room. The mayor had, had a bit of a state change when he started talking about it. Like, he's ready to fight. Yeah, no, you know? absolutely. Yeah, he definitely no, ready that, to fight. That was... Um, I mean, it's often, you don't often talk about, uh, if you're, you know, the head of a municipal government, you don't often talk about beating other ones, right? Right. right. But um, I thought that was a very, I thought that was a very candid way of putting it. I also thought his, his, um, his reason for maybe not weighing into races was very candid as well, saying that the, the political consequences of that don't necessarily... Um, that aren't always worth it. The negative outweighs the positive, right? Absolutely. Because if you're wrong, <laughs> if you're wrong, if you're right, fine. Yeah. But the day goes on. Yeah. But if you're wrong, it could be devastating. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Let's go back to the phones. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Hello. Oh, that's too bad. Call back. So anyway, the um, we have um, a lot. To uh, to talk about here with you know, we had we had the mayor in and um, it's it's important we'll, you know we'll be filtering in guests throughout the show but in throughout the uh, throughout the week and throughout as we as we continue down this road yeah here. we actually um 
We actually got a, you know, we got Wilson on scheduled tomorrow from New Bedford Light at 8 o'clock to talk about that big blue harvest story. Um, but uh, we're also taking your calls at 508-996-0500 if you want to talk about what's going on. We had a ton of calls, uh, a, a ton of call traffic uh, yesterday. It was great. Um, and we're also taking your messages on the app chat. We got some good app chats last night as well. So if you message us in the app chat and um, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Or Chris likes it, you will. Uh, you will. We'll read it on air. Even if I don't like it, I might still read it on air. Yeah, if, it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's if we don't like it because it's, it's particularly cruel, that's uh, we like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, McCarthy, sorry. If you made you're gonna it. be here's the thing with the with the app chat. If you're gonna be mean, be funny. Be inventive. Be yeah. Be creative because if you're just gonna be a jerk, I, I'm not gonna read it. Neither is Chris. But if you're gonna be mean and say mean stuff, at least be funny, and then we'll read it. So we have. Um, In fact, I challenge you to do that. So <laughs> just kidding. The um the, the the very interesting thing was that, and I you know I tried to lay it out for him the red carpet for the mayor to see if he wanted to make a legislative endorsement. I didn't think he was going to, um, but we do have a number of competitive races here in the city. Yeah, we do actually. So you have. Um, well, you have uh, here in the 10th Bristol District, who's running to be our state rep, and we got a call about that. Actually, well, 508 so you can get the program. Let's go back to the phones. Hey, good uh, good evening. Thanks for holding. Hey, Marcus. Chris, how you doing? Hey, hey what's how up? you doing, Barry? Good, good, good. Hey, Marcus, I just want to, you know, wish you guys and Chris uh, uh, good luck with the show. You guys are going to hit it out of the park. But, Marcus, yesterday when we were talking about the, um, the and Chris is right, the illegal aliens getting their driver's license, you brought up uh, Ted Kennedy, and um, yeah. I had a crazy idea. You know how the the uh, license plates you can get the um, you know you get the whale on your license plate. You can get yes. the uh, yeah, you know the Cape Cod, the shark, the striped bass. Yeah, maybe on the driver's license. I know Marcus isn't favorable to this, but on the driver's license, and I would pay by the way if I could get this, Marcus. You could put this together. I'd pay a hundred bucks on my license. You know that the hologram. Mm-hmm. You, you, you brought up Ted Kennedy, but if you could get Ted Kennedy on the hologram, my license, I'd pay enough to hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. What about just the? What about the? What about the uh, submerged Oldsmobile? <laughs> well, well, wait a minute. This is the other thing. If you, I'd pay two hundred bucks if you could get a picture of Ted in a convertible, because if he had driven a convertible, we probably had, would have had one more United States president out of Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> if she had just paid attention to camp and learned to there swim, there was an right? ad about that, wasn't there? In one a, a magazine, and it National said that, Lampoon. Yeah, yeah, it was an ad that I think said something to that effect. That yeah, or if if he had um yeah, if if he had something on his car, you know, we we'd have another a new president or something like that. Yeah, I was thinking if if I could ever get Chris up in the flybridge in my boat, I'm going to install that four wheel drive button for you, Chris. I appreciate that. No, we had a, we had a nice time, Barry. I was talking a little bit. Yes, I don't know if you heard me um, about the the birds you took me to see. It's an incredible bird, oh, right, birds right out there, right off right off of of, of Peyton Arum and Dartmouth. Um, the rocks out there. It's it's an oyster catcher, white bird with an incredibly long. Bright orange beak. It was incredible to see it. Yeah, they're they're amazing. We we, we live in a special area. We're, we're lucky that we have what we have. Um, I mean, you know, I know Jack G and all of Mark's friends are calling in. I know they're listening down to Houston and Malaysia to you guys. You guys are hitting it out of the park, and uh, I just um, yeah, we're lucky we have both of you too. Thank you very much, Barry. Appreciate Thanks, the comments. Be safe. All right. Um. So, uh, uh, actually, we got a we got an app chat. All right. And. It's not, it's, I think it's not mean, but it's interesting. Good. Um, 
Dan we, from New Bedford says... We don't censor. That, yeah. Dan from New Bedford says, um, does, has anybody ever mentioned that the mayor, and I think this is a compliment, that the mayor sounds just like Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Raymond. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think that might be true. Um, I've heard... I've never heard that one before. I've heard other ones. Um, someone told me they thought he sounded like Fozzie Bear. Fozzie Bear. I didn't like that one. I didn't like that one. But, but I think Ray Romano's a compliment. Ray Romano's it's a, a great, good one. It's a great show. Everybody loves Raymond. Right? Yeah. Everybody loves Mitchell. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. So uh, 508-996-0500 is in the program. Yeah, he said he didn't, want, he didn't necessarily weigh in on the state legislature uh, races, but there are a lot of them all representing New Bedford. There's what... How many Didn't reps? you feel like he wanted to, though? Yes. I felt like he was he wanted to, but he just thought discretion is the better part, right? Yes. That he's just not going to say anything right now. He's not going to put his thumb on the scale. As he said, it's not his role. Maybe he wanted us to talk about. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. 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 Yeah. Maybe. The, um, the idea that... Um, he, we've had change in the past. Maybe he's looking for change now. I don't know. My understanding is he gets along very well with the, with the delegation. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. But 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 let's just talk about the um, let's talk about those races after we take the break. Actually, I've got to okay, I've got to take a break. Welcome back to South Coast tonight. Uh, I'm Marcus. Hey, and I'm Chris. And you can give us a call at 508-996-0500. I want to thank Maya Mitchell for coming in with us uh, for uh, our second show. Yeah, like uh, I said, I, I, was, I thought it was really important to get him on. Um, and so I'm glad he came in to, to, talk, to uh, talk to us in studio, too. In studio is always the preferred uh, interviewing experience, I think, for everybody involved. Uh, the 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 guest the the interviewers and and the listeners so um we have some stuff up at, at um, wbsm.com different different articles up there up there we always will be adding those so each day when you tune into our show if you'd like um usually right before we go on the air there'll be our, our opinion pieces um sometimes it's news stories that we've written at wbsm.com but I appreciate it if you check them out the um and if you really like them or if you're really offended send them around the um i had a piece yesterday about the um New Bedford Police Department and their and their aides, the um the advocates they call them, mental health advocates. And um is a uh, a bit of a response from the police department that's up there today, up there tonight. Um one of the things, Marcus, that they're saying is that um well, because it was a suicide that night as well. And um, Scott Carolla, Lieutenant Scott Carolla from the Bedford Police Department, he's a spokesperson. He says, well, we wouldn't have used an advocate even if they were working uh, in a situation like that. Which, you know, seems pretty obvious, right? Yeah. But kind of unique um, because I was listening that right. night. So I know exactly what was transpiring, right? <laughs> yeah, Because exactly. the police were communicating back and forth. Right. The, the line cops were, and they're making a, a very vivid picture of what's going on as best they can with security reasons. So in addition to the New Bedford police being on the spot, you had Sheriff Hodgson's guys uh, on the spot as well. They came in to back up the New Bedford police. But one of the things that they were trying to do is raise the person who ultimately committed suicide on the telephone. So when Lieutenant Scott Carolla says, well, we wouldn't have needed the advocates anyway, as if I'm an idiot and didn't think that through. But, well, I've, you know, I, I had a, a military police training. I'm, I'm cognizant of what goes on. I paid attention to situations for a long time. They had a telephone. Right. The police were trying to get the guy on the telephone. Yeah. I wasn't advocating that they send an advocate into the room. Yeah. I was saying, 
and I don't think I had to spell it out. I didn't think it was so so ridiculous. That all they would have to do is hand the phone to the advocate. Right. They were trying to get the guy on the phone. So the idea that well we wouldn't have used him anyway because it was such a dangerous situation. I don't know. That dog doesn't hunt to me. Um, they obviously would have given the advocate a phone yeah. to talk to the guy on the phone. Um, they were trying to do that with a patrolman already. They, the dispatchers were trying to call the guy. So the idea that, well, we didn't have an advocate, but we wouldn't have used him anyway in that situation. Like I said, that dog doesn't hunt to me. But the fact of the matter is, is that New Bedford is a pretty progressive program in trying to bring advocates in. But the fact that they weren't working on a holiday weekend, I'm still not happy with the answers I'm hearing on that. Well, well, here's the thing too. I think that if um, I think that if uh, uh, this, pro I, I support the program, right? I support sure. the idea of this program. I think a lot of people have said that there are situations where, um, not necessarily New Bedford, uh, but nationally, some circumstances like the OUI case in um, in in Atlanta, for example, uh, that ended um, lethally. Uh, that that uh, that uh, a trained advocate could have um, might been able to ameliorate that situation uh, a bit more. But um, you also wrote uh, another column that we'll uh, we'll tease out a little bit before we take this break okay. about the um, about the district attorney's race. Speaking of law enforcement, yeah. So we have a district attorney's race, and one of the things I wrote about is the fact that it, the really the district attorney's race is a primary. So. It's a Democrat primary here in Bristol County. You have uh, Tom Quinn, who's been in there for a number of years. Uh, he's a district attorney. And you have uh, Shannon McMahon. Yep. Yeah, McMahon. Shannon McMahon, uh, who's who's challenging him. She's a former assistant district attorney. Actually, Classmate. Not what? really classmate. She was a couple years ahead of me. But she was we a couple years ahead of me. Yeah, we went to law school together. Yeah. And she formerly worked for District Attorney Quinn. She did. And she's now challenging her former boss to be the district attorney. My point being that... A lot of people think of district attorney's races. They don't really pay much attention to them. But like like a few years ago when we lost Paul Walsh, this is all about the primary. Right. There is no Republican being put forward. The Republican Party of Bristol County has not found a candidate. We have a wonderful sheriff's candidate, but we don't have a candidate for district attorney. So the primary in September, September 6th, I believe, that's the election. Yeah. So we have Tom Quinn, who's a... I would call him an old school mainstream Democrat, yeah. uh, a tough on Lauren, a Lauren order type of Democrat. Uh, there's very few of those now, but he's one of them. He was in fact a, passed the screening and appointed by uh, Charlie Baker yeah. uh, to fill the unexpired term of uh, Sam, Sutter, Sutter. Sam Sutter when Sam Sutter went on to become the mayor of Fall River. So. I think it's a very important race people should be looking at. If you look around the country, and we'll go back to this after the break, but yeah. if you look around the country, this has been a very, very important race as district attorney around the country. And one uh, before we get to the break, we have uh, Not Bad from uh, Oak Bluffs uh, over on the Vineyard saying, uh, it's only day two and I'm already addicted, And um, which I think is great. I think there's worse things to be addicted to. If you're addicted to the South Coast Night with Chris and Marcus, I think you're in pretty good shape there. So we're going to take a break now, 508-996-0500. Of course, we're taking message, messages on the app chat. We will be right back. Hey, welcome back. We're uh, closing out the final minutes of the first hour of the second uh, episode of South Coast Tonight. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're going to be taking calls at 508-996-0500, messaging on the app chat. Chris, what kind of conversation can we look forward to in the second hour? So I want to talk a little bit more about the district attorney's race here in Bristol County. I think it's Same. very important that people uh, people pay attention to this race, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, that because we have open primaries, if you're unenrolled, you can vote in the Democrat primary. Um, 
this year as long as you're unenrolled. If you're a Republican, you can't. So that may be something you want to do. Maybe you want to switch your registration to unenrolled. And then we have a lot of other things going on. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk about that. We'll be taking calls 508-996-0500. And we'll be getting your messages on the app chat. So stay tuned.